Jesus Christ our Lord will stand in the middle of a redeemed humanity in heaven and he will sing praise to God the Father that the Father has given us to him. And then we will join him in the song of praise. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom continues his current series with part two of The Holy Spirit's Influence. What does it mean to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit? And what are the three primary results or consequences in the life of such a person? If the Spirit is controlling your life, there will be effects. Last time we began to explore one of those results, having a love for God-centered music. And today you'll learn why music occupies such a critical role in the life of a believer and how all singing and praise existed before the creation of the world. Let's join Tom now as we discover more from God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. Look at verse 19 again. Remember now, this is, a, this is a participle modifying the main verb, be filled. Be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but the first question that comes to my mind when I read that verse is why? Why is it? Why would love for God-centered music, both individually and corporately, be the first result of being filled by the Spirit? Well, remember, the Spirit fills us with what? A rich knowledge of His Word. And the Word is filled with God and His person and His acts. Those are at the center of Scripture. And over and over again, the writers of Scripture call us to do what in response to God's person and acts? To sing, to express His praise in song. So when the Spirit fills us with the Word, or when, as Colossians says, the Word dwells richly within us, our souls break out into song. Songs of praise that celebrate our great God, and you can't help it. Martin Luther, the great reformer who really revolutionized the place of music in the life of the church, wrote this of music. I love this quote. Listen carefully. The riches of music are so excellent and so precious that words fail me whenever I attempt to discuss and describe them. In summa, the Latin word, in the full summary, next to the word of God, The noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. This precious gift has been given to man alone that he might thereby remind himself that God has created man for the express purpose of praising and extolling God. You know why you have music? It's for one primary reason, to remind you why you were created. And that was to issue forth in praise and worship of God. Did you know the Bible contains more than 600 references to music? So we won't exhaust them all, or I would exhaust you. But I think it's right that we at least get an overview. Let's fly across the top and see what priority God himself gives to music. Let's start at the beginning. Music existed before the universe existed. Maybe you've never thought of that. But there was music before man was ever created. 
It was the spontaneous reaction of those powerful, intelligent beings the Bible calls angels. It was their reaction to God and to his creation of the universe. It's recorded for us in Job. Turn back to Job, chapter 38. And if you wonder whether or not it's true, the words come from the mouth of God himself. He was there, he knows. And he says, here's what happened. This is when God begins to speak. Job's friends are done. God starts speaking to Job. And listen to what he says in Job 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now there's a confrontation. Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. You think you know so much about how your life ought to be run? Okay, let me ask you a few questions. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. God now takes Job back to the creation, to the foundation of the universe itself and the earth. Verse 5, who set its measurements, since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? God is using language here of an ancient building, and he's saying, listen, you know, you know how to build a building. You do all of this. I didn't do any of that. So how did I do it? Who laid its cornerstone? Now notice verse 7. At that time, at the creation of the universe, the, the, found, the forming of the earth, notice what God says happened. That's when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. He said, were you there when that happened? God says it's happened. Now, if, if I had time, I'd take you back to Job 1, show you that sons of God here is clearly a reference to angelic beings. God is saying, listen, Job, when I made all of this, the angels surrounded me, and they sang, and where were you? The point is, music was a part of the expression of the angels' worship of God when God was still making the universe. He had made the angels sometime before that, and they can't help themselves, but when they see what God is doing, they burst out into song. It wasn't long before music left the angelic realm and invaded human history. Moses describes the beginning of human music back in the first book of the Bible. Turn back to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4 is a fascinating passage that describes two civilizations or two societies, the origin of human society, and there were two of them, one from the godly line of Seth at the very end of Genesis 5, the other from the ungodly line of Cain. But even in that wicked family of Cain who'd killed his brother, you see God's common grace because God begins to allow them to utilize certain gifts, the gifts of metalworking, and in verse 21, the gift of music. One of Cain's descendants was named Jubal, verse 21, and he was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. Here is the human father of music. One of Cain's descendants was enabled to put music together, to make instruments, to express music as an expression of God's common grace to all of us. The reason we have music is because God 
allowed it to be discovered in this wicked, ungodly family of Cain. But soon, music becomes a part of the godly line as well. Although there's no direct mention in Genesis of music being sung to the praise of God, the events of Job occur during the patriarchal period, during the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Job tells us there was music going on. In fact, it comes from the mouth of a man named Elihu. Turn to Job, Job chapter 36 again, just a little bit ahead of where we were last time. Job 36, and look at verse 22. Elihu, the only one of Job's friends that God doesn't censure, he says this to Job. Verse 22, Job 36. Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has appointed him his way? And who has said you've done wrong? Now watch verse 24. Remember that you should exalt God's work of which men have sung. So already during the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, people were using music as an expression of their praise back to God. When you come to the time of Moses, music begins to take an integral role in the life of God's people. You have that wonderful song of Moses in in Exodus 15 commemorating God's great deliverance at the Red Sea. By the way, I'm not going to turn to all these, but let me encourage you to read them. Magnificent songs about God inspired in the text of Scripture. Exodus 15, Deuteronomy 32 is the song of Moses. This was commanded by God. Moses was to teach the people this song, and he did before his death. Even during the most difficult period of the Old Testament, the period of the judges, when there was no central government, and as the text says, every man did that which was right in his own eyes, there was still music being created addressed to the praise of God. Deborah, the judge in Judges 5 and her song of praise. 1 Samuel 2, Hannah, being told that she would have a son named Samuel, writes a great song of praise. Then you come after the period of the judges to the richest time in Old Testament hymnody and songs of worship, and that's the period of the monarchy, the period of the kings of Israel, and especially David. In 1 Samuel 16, 18, we're told that while he was still a teenager, he was very skilled in music, both in playing the harp and, as we later learn, in writing songs as well. Many years later, when David actually became king, he appointed 4,000 of the tribe of Levi whose responsibility at the tabernacle and later at the temple would be to lead in music to be involved in the music of the worship of God. David wrote 74 of the songs, or psalms as we call them, in the collection of Israel's songbook. And many of the psalms, whether they were written by God or not, call us, God's people, to sing. More than a hundred times in the psalms, we are commanded to sing to God. Look at Psalm 5. Remember now, the book of Psalms was written as an expression of a pattern of worship. You want to know how to relate to God? Here's how you relate to God. And notice how often we're told to do it in song. Psalm 5, verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you, O God, be glad. Let them always sing for joy, and may you shelter them that those who love your name may exult in you. Psalm 33 Psalm 33, verse 1. Sing for joy in the Lord, O you righteous ones. 
praise is becoming to the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, an, an instrument. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. Sing your praise to God. Psalm 69 is a very interesting one because it shows just how important this issue of singing is. Psalm 69, notice verse 30. I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. And watch verse 31. And it will please the Lord better than an ox or a young bull with horns and hooves. In other words, God will be more pleased with the sacrifice of my praise in song than with my taking and offering a sacrificial animal. Psalm 92 Verse one, it is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your unfailing love in the morning and your faithfulness by night with the ten-string lute and with the harp, with resounding music upon the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you've done. I will sing for joy at the work of your hands. Psalm 96 Verse one, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Psalm 98, and again, I hope you're beginning to feel the weight of this. These are just a few examples of more than 100. Psalm 98, verse one, oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. He's made known his salvation. The familiar Psalm 100, verse two, says when you come before the Lord, come before him with joyful singing. Psalm 135, just a couple more references. Psalm 135, verse three. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is lovely. And then he says, why? Verse four, because of his sovereign election. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his own possession. Sing to God because he's sovereignly chosen you. Psalm 147. We read this morning, verse one, praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant and praise is becoming. This is how it ought to be. This is how God's people ought to express themselves. Psalm 149, verse one, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the godly ones. Verse five, let the godly ones exult in glory, let them sing for joy, not only publicly in the congregation, but for joy on their beds. Privately, let music be an expression of your praise to God. And that same thread of spiritual song sung to God can be traced from the monarchy from the time of David and Solomon throughout the rest of the Old Testament. And then when you come to the New Testament, you find that worship music had a constant presence in the life of our Lord. At the synagogue, Jesus worshiped at the synagogue every Sabbath day. And the synagogue worship included singing and music. At the temple, daily, Both morning and evening, there was a choir and an orchestra and music. And when our Lord was in Jerusalem worshiping, he worshiped with music and instruments. At the celebration of the feasts, including the Last Supper, you remember Matthew tells us, as does Mark, that after they'd completed the Lord's 
the Last Supper, what we call the Lord's Table. After a singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And those are just examples from the life of our Lord. Remember, our Lord perfectly obeyed the Old Testament. And we just read dozens of commands to sing, more than a hundred in the Psalms alone. So you can be sure that since our Lord perfectly kept the commands of Scripture, music was a constant part of his life at other times as well as those that are recorded. But if we fast forward past us and into eternity, we discover that music will be an essential part of the worship of eternity. Turn to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 John, the apostle, is allowed a glimpse into the future and into heaven itself, and notice what he sees. The events of chapter five are clearly in the future and clearly in heaven, and notice what happens in verse eight. When the lamb had taken the book, that's the title deed to the earth, Christ takes the title deed of the earth from the hands of the Father. When he had done that, the four living creatures, those are the cherubim, that are described in the Old Testament, and the 24 elders, representatives of the church, all fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song, saying, worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Notice, in heaven, in the future, there will be both instruments and singing to God. Now, look back at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Now let me ask you, having taken that little journey through the scripture and into eternity, from eternity past to eternity future, let me ask you, is it any surprise that where the spirit is filling the heart with the word, that that heart loves God-centered music? That it is the very first result of a heart that the spirit has filled with the word in all its richness. You know, it's been my experience. I've traveled now by God's goodness to many of the continents of the world and been in worship services like this one with people of different nations and languages, all different kinds of backgrounds from the, the Maoris down in New Zealand, this tiny little gathering to a large church in Samara, Russia, and everything in between. And I can tell you that wherever I've traveled, whatever the conditions, however large or small the congregation, Christians who are under the influence of the Spirit love music that focuses on their God. They love to sing his praises. Let me just ask you very personally and directly, do you love God-centered music? Do you find yourself singing praise to God privately and personally when you're alone? Do you enjoy singing with the people of God? Is music that expresses praise to God a crucial part of your life? If not, This is a spiritual diagnostic. This is like a warning light on the dashboard of your soul. If you're not experiencing that love of God-centered music in your life privately and corporately when we join together, then you are not permitting or allowing the Spirit to fill you with the Word in all wisdom. Because where that happens, this is the first 
effect. The very first result of being filled by the Spirit is a love for God-centered music. But the question comes to my mind, why? Why does music occupy such a crucial role in the universe? The simple answer is because it is a huge priority to God himself. You see, the angels didn't originate music, God did. I won't have you turn there, but listen to Zephaniah 3.17. God is said to rejoice over his people, over those whom he has chosen to himself, and listen to how he rejoices. The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. And then the Hebrew text actually says this, he will rejoice over you with loud singing. God sings. But let's make it very personal. Turn to Hebrews as we finish our time together. Hebrews chapter two. As the writer of Hebrews describes what Christ has done for us, he says this in verse 11, Hebrews 2, 11. For both he who sanctifies, that's Christ, the one who sets us apart, who makes us acceptable to God, and those who are sanctified, that's us, are all from one, one Father, For which reason he, that is Christ, is not ashamed to call us brethren, brothers and sisters. And then he quotes verse 12 from Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm. It is quoted often in the Gospels of Christ. And notice what Christ says. This is Christ talking now to the Father. Verse 12. I will proclaim your name to my brothers. That's us. In the midst of the congregation, I, Christ, will sing your Father praise. You know what's going on here? Jesus himself will lead us in praise of the Father in eternity. Verse 13 explains the reason for his praise. Behold the children whom God has given to me. Jesus Christ our Lord will stand in the middle of a redeemed humanity in heaven and he will sing praise to God the Father that the Father has given us to him. And then we will join him in the song of praise. That's the reason for our praise as well, isn't it? Because we have been given to Christ as an expression of the Father's love. No wonder the songwriter said, tune my heart to sing your praise. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for the amazing life and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your great love toward us in him. Father, we do fall and acknowledge that he died in our place, the death we should have died, so that his perfect righteousness could become ours. Father, even as we've studied this morning, tune our hearts to sing his praise. May we be filled to overflowing by the knowledge of what he has done for us so that our hearts just erupt in song, in praising him. Remind us, O God, that this is why we were created, and this is what we will do forever. Help us to practice even while we're here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part two of his current series, The Holy Spirit's Influence. Tom will bring you part three on our next broadcast as he once again brings us to God's Word. And now here again is Tom with a closing thought. Tom? Well, as we're learning, music has such a crucial role in the life on this planet. There was music before God created the world. Music permeates the life of the people of God now, and we will sing in eternity. And so we're really tuning our voices, if you will, to sing the praise of God here. It's such an important part of our worship. It's not all that worship is, but it's a crucial part. As we take the truth of God's Word and that great knowledge, that Scripture, the doctrine that we learn is committed to music. It trains our minds to understand it. It equips us to memorize the truth in such a powerful and pleasing way. I encourage you to engage yourself in the regular singing to God and about God day in and day out. Thanks, Tom. And friend, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And be sure to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. You know, The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do that by visiting thewordunleashed.org. That's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth.